Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 322, and we're talking about Colombia. That's right. We will not talk all about Colombia because A, it's a big place and we have a limited time, and also because we just did our first trip there uh, around a month ago, and although we had several weeks, we only got to half a dozen different places. But we'll be covering those in some detail and also talking generally about the whole country. Yeah, we had a really great time in Colombia, so we're quite enthusiastic about talking about it. Although, as Craig said, we didn't go everywhere, we did see a fair bit. I mean, Colombia is an enormous country. It's twice the size of France, and France is pretty big. Sure thing. What have we been up to over the last few weeks? We've still been here in Panama, in Santa Fe, and apart from working, there hasn't really been that much going on. But it's really interesting doing doing house-sitting and, and looking after other people's animals how everyday life kind of comes around and, and smacks you on the head. You you forget what it's like to have these everyday rhythms and everyday problems. Yeah, it's quite nice. I mean, I've got a rhythm in the morning. I get up, I have a shower, I feed the dogs, you know, give them a pet, play with them a little bit, and then get down to work. But uh, our rhythm was slightly broken when we went into Santiago, which is the biggest city near us, about an hour and a half away. That was about, oh, I think it was just over a week ago, a week and a half ago. We came back, and instead of having three dogs, we only had two. This was quite a problem. That's right. You expect to uh, leave three and come back to three. But one of them had decided to go walk about, and unfortunately it wasn't the old experienced one. It was the silly, naive young puppy. So uh, we, we launched a, a search party, which was composed of us, basically, we went and searched for him. We went to a couple of places we thought he might be. He wasn't there. And then night came and we couldn't keep searching because there are no street lights. It was just too hard. So the next morning we got in touch with the guy who does all the gardening and the, and the farm. He, he had an idea of where he might be. And I went to see the neighbors and they said, oh, yes, I saw him last night. Now, the night before, we hadn't slept very well, partly because we were worried about the dog and partly because there was a big party going on with lots of music. And guess where the dog was? He had gone to the party. So what we think happened was someone was walking past, the dog saw him, thought, oh, this is interesting, and followed him to the party, and then he just basically partied it up all night. Yeah, a party puppy, rock and roll. It was about three or four kilometers away, so I mean, it was a good walk. It sure was. So apart from looking for lost dogs, we've spent most of our free time doing day hikes around the place, but we did do one overnight hike, and the cool thing about being up here in the mountains of Panama is all of the waterfalls everywhere. It seems if you have a mountain, you have a river, and if you have a river, you have waterfalls, and if you have waterfalls, you have these big pools under the waterfalls to swim in. And so it's that kind of tropical cliché of going swimming under the waterfall. And, yeah, we can do that as, as often as we like, and it's great fun exploring uh, some of the new ones. I really like it, but, you know, we're from New Zealand, and in New Zealand we don't have any snakes. Panama does have snakes, and some of them are, well, lethal, you know, venomous killers. So we go hiking, and I'm always a bit concerned about coming across one of these really dangerous snakes. But we haven't so far, and we live in hope that we won't. Yeah, yeah. The, may the odds appear in your favor. Thank you, Craig, for that reference to death. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's move on from Panama to Colombia. Yeah, just hop over the Darien Gap and, and away we go. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Well, Colombia is a place that we've wanted to go for ages. And as you would have heard in our specific city guides that we've uh, we've done recently, we 
have just been hanging out to get there, and we were so excited to be there and really enjoyed it. So this is going to be probably an overwhelmingly positive guide to Colombia. Although to be fair, we did have our problems. I mean, both of us had a little bit of food poisoning while we were there. You know, the weather was very up and down. We had some good experiences and we had some bad experiences. So just full disclosure, we did like Colombia a lot. We didn't have any problems with crime, although it does have a very bad reputation for that. And we did actually see someone being robbed, but we weren't affected. So, you know, it's one of these things where people are really concerned about going to Colombia. I think on the whole, if you use uh, your normal safety precautions, maybe a little bit more than normal, then you'll probably be okay. Yeah, we definitely found it to be a friendly place, a fun place, and quote-unquote relatively safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely not safe. It's not in the safe camp, but it's not unsafe either. So, yeah, as I say, use your normal safety precautions. Be a little bit extra cautious. Don't go flashing your phone around, and you should be fine. So a lot of English-speaking countries do not need a visa to get into Colombia. If you're a citizen of the US, the UK, New Zealand, and uh, the EU, many, many other countries, uh, you can enter visa-free and stay for up to six months. Canadians can also enter visa-free, but they have to pay a fee. Do, do, do. It's about 70 Canadian dollars. Yeah, it's a reciprocity fee because you guys charge Colombians to come to your country, so... Uh... I would love to get rid of all visas, all uh, reciprocity fees. It would be so nice. It would make life so much easier. But Wouldn't it just? Unfortunately, it is not the case. Well, air transport is the most popular method of arrival. There's frequent flights from all over the Americas and some from Europe as well. We got great round-trip tickets from Panama to Medellin and back again. And also, for some reason, round-trip tickets from... Bogota to Panama City to Bogota. So we're sitting around one day and I was playing on Skyscanner because, you know, that's how I pass my time. And I was looking at different options. It was before we went to Panama and in order to enter Panama, you have to have onward tickets. So I was thinking, where can we go? Where can we go? And I found these flights to Colombia, which is basically why we went to Colombia in the first place, just because there were these amazing tickets. So we bought return tickets because it was so much cheaper to get return than one way, which happens sometimes. We didn't know when we were going to be returning to Panama, so we just booked the latest possible time. Then we came to Panama, we met up with the homeowners, and they offered for us to stay longer. But that meant we had to return earlier. And unfortunately, changing the date of the return flights that we had was going to cost more than the flights themselves. So we thought, that's fine, we'll just buy new tickets, which is exactly what we did. We bought new tickets from Bogota, which were also return tickets, because once again, it was cheaper to buy return than one way. Madness, eh? You can also get in from Panama or from the north by boat, and there's both cruises and small ships that you can uh, discover. There's buses up from Ecuador and Venezuela. And you know what I saw the other day, which I didn't think was possible? I saw um, on As We Saw It, uh, Dan and Linda there, they did a hike from Colombia into Panama through the Darien Gap, hmm. which was like a guided hike. Now, I thought that wasn't possible because this is where all of the drugs go through, and I've heard it's really dangerous and not recommended. But uh, if the headline I saw was correct, that's what they did. Did they just do a one-day hike, or was that I don't more know. form of transport? Yeah, you're right. Because I have be. heard of people doing just one-day hikes over the, over the border. Uh, maybe I saw that wrong. Anyway, if you're super adventurous and looking for a bit of risk, <laughs> that might be something to look into. But I did hear that the border was closed when we last looked into it a few years ago. My information there is, is all hearsay. <laughs> Talking about getting around Colombia, 
we assumed that we'd be traveling from city to city by bus. We kind of braced ourselves for these 12-hour-long journeys. I did heaps of research. I was looking at, oh, okay, I'm going from Medellin to Cartagena. Where can I break the journey so we can have two six-hour trips instead of one 12-hour trip? And there didn't really seem to be anywhere we wanted to stop on the way. It was going to be awful. Yeah, the roads were not the best for these uh, long, long trips. If you're close to one of the biggest cities like Medellin or Bogota, then you're fine. But as soon as you get more than a few kilometers away, things start to break down pretty quickly. And we were surprised that the bus trips weren't very cheap either, around $50. I mean, that's not a lot for such a long journey, but it didn't seem like good value to me. Then I started to look into other options and I found that internal flights were cheap. You know, so often internal flights are really expensive, but in Colombia, they are not bad at all. And in fact, we flew from Medellin to Cartagena, I think it was for $35 each. So it was cheaper, ridiculously faster. It was a difference between 12 hours on the bus and one hour on the plane. I mean, sure, we had to get to the airport and wait for a while and all of that, but oh my goodness, so much more comfortable, so much faster and so much cheaper. When you're looking to get around the cities, taxis are ubiquitous. But in the all of the cities that we were in, Uber was very well established and cheaper than the taxis. We find it safer because of the GPS tracking and because we know we're not going to be ripped off by someone who uh, is going to drive us around the wrong way or charges whatever they feel like charging us. Yeah. The, the times that we did catch taxis, we didn't have a bad experience either. Except once. Except for once, where we were severely overcharged. We're not big fans of taxis, partly because every city has a different system and you need to know the system. If you want to invest time into finding out the system, it's absolutely fine. But there are so many different ways that taxis can rip you off. So most of the time, taxi drivers are fine. They're not going to rip you off in any way. But, you know, we're just a bit prejudiced towards this. So we were so happy to discover Uber recently, and we've been using it a lot. Public transport in the cities mainly consists of buses and colectivos, little minibuses that do bus-like routes. Um, however, Medellin has an excellent public transport system. It's got a metro and a cable car in addition to those connecting to various uh, bus routes. Yeah, we really like the public transport in Medellin. It's kind of an attraction in itself. We had a really great day just traveling by metro, going up in the cable car. It was really cute. We we're in the cable car and we we're just about to get off. And there was a little kid on there as well. And he said, oh, okay, now we're going to go by bike. And I was trying to work out why he was going to go by bike. But what it was, his mother said to me, oh, look, uh, look at the sticker. There was a sticker of the different forms of transport that Medellin offered, which was bus, metro, cable car, and a bike network. And she said, we've gone by bus, cable car, and metro. So he thinks we're going to go by bike as well, but we're not. <laughs> Poor kid. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of accommodation, uh, we ended up staying with friends a few times and we used Booking.com to find most of our accommodation. We were pretty happy with uh, the network, with the listings that, that they had there, and we found quite a wide range of stuff, eh? from super mm -hmm. cheap B&B pension-type places up to some nicer hotels. Yeah, we also stayed in a couple of hostels with private rooms. It was, it was a good range. Generally, we were very happy and the rating system worked well except for our first couple of nights in Cartagena, which was just terrible. It had, the hotel we booked had a reasonable rating and it was very well priced, but there was absolutely no sound installation at all. And it was on a busy road. We didn't sleep all night. It was just not the best. Yeah, I think you're always going to hit uh, a problem every now and again with uh, with your online booking. But yeah, we found it not a problem at all in general, eh? I think we made the right decision in that case. We booked just for two nights and we thought, we'll see how we go and if we can find somewhere better. And it meant that we didn't have to cancel our booking. We could just use the two nights and then go and find somewhere else. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about the cities that we were in. Let's kick off with Medellin, which is where we first flew into. Yeah, we spent two weeks in Medellin and we were pretty much snowed under with lots of work projects. So we spent a lot of time inside. We discovered some co-working spaces, met lots of nice people. It was really cool. And uh, one of our good friends, Momo, was there as well. So we got to spend the evenings with him, which was really nice. One thing I really liked about the city was some of the different suburbs, which were full of great little restaurants, cafes and bars. The El Poblado neighborhood is kind of famous for that. We stayed in Poblado for about half our time, but we also kind of escaped out to go to other areas where food was just as good. And a lot cheaper. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I think I'll always remember is going to a couple of microbreweries one night. We ended up going to Tres Cordilleras, and it was fantastic. Yeah, every Thursday they have an, kind of an open house, and it costs 21,000 pesos, which is very cheap. You get five beers, and you can also do a little tour of the brewery. It's quite small, so it's not a very long one. They do that both in English and in Spanish. So it was really fun. We went there with our friend Momo and a, and a friend of his, and then afterwards we walked down the road to another microbrewery. There's also other options that you can go to if you're into beer, then there are lots of choices. Yeah, it's cool. It's a really good city for brewing. As Linda said before, uh, when we're talking about transport, we kind of spent half a day just on the public transport, having um, a freeish tour mm -hmm. and looking around the place. Uh, some of the places we stopped were at the top of the cable car, where there's a massive park, which we didn't have time to explore. But we did get up there and, and have a look around and go to a couple of the viewpoints to look down over the city. And that was worth it in and of itself, just getting that aerial view. We also went to Botero Plaza, which has these amazing blocky statues just all over the place. There are dozens of them. And you'll see them around the country as well by uh, an artist called Botero. So that was really worthwhile. And we also wandered around the Botanic Gardens, which was also worth our time. I want to give a shout out to the website MedicineLiving.com, which we used for a lot of our research. Medicine Living was created by David Lee, uh, who's a friend of ours, and I spent a few minutes of his time, maybe a few more than a few minutes of his time on, uh, on Facebook Messenger, just getting some little bits of advice. Uh, and so that website was really useful and, and helped us plan the little bit of free time that we did have in Medellin. Yeah, we used the app as well. That was actually how we found out about Tres Cordilleras. So it was really good. It was indeed. Hey, before we move on and talk about Cartagena, here's a little bit of sound from a busker who hopped on one of the buses we were on while in Medellin. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to talk about Cartagena. Now, Cartagena de Indias is just a beautiful city. It's one of these colonial cities that's completely surrounded by walls. It's just charming. Unfortunately, this charm brings a lot of tourists. So that means that if you're a tourist, you're likely to be approached by lots of touts selling everything from street food to tours to, to anything, really, which can be a little bit annoying. But Cartagena is definitely worth your time. Absolutely. Uh, so worth your time. We did an entire podcast just on it. So jump by IndieTravelPodcast.com or take a look in iTunes and find that Cartagena episode if you want to dig deep into it. But a few quick words about it. What was one of your highlights? I like just being by the beach. You know, a lot of our time in Colombia, we were inland and Cartagena is right by the sea. Now, it's not the best beach to kind of swim at, but just going for long walks along the beach was really nice. 
I really enjoyed some of the cafes that they had there. There was a really nice one inside a bookshop, which is always a great combination for a geek like me. We went to an award-winning cafe where we had great coffee with terrible service. Yeah, it was it was a nice city to be able to sit and relax and and talk in.、Mm-hmm. And so I really felt a connection there. One thing I would say is try the sweets which are on sale opposite the clock tower,、uh, the clock gate. Into the city, they've been there for for hundreds of years. People selling sweets there.、Uh, it's mentioned in、uh, some of the what early twentieth century novels, and yeah, just really, really tasty. Yeah, I really enjoyed eating those because at the time we were there, I was reading *Love and Other Demons* by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and it's referenced there as well. So that was really fun. Awesome. So check out the full podcast for more on Cartagena. We are going to be talking now about Santa Marta and Tiganga, which is further up the coast. Now we didn't fly from Cartagena to Santa Marta because it was only about five hours by bus. Instead, we got a, a transfer service, and there are a couple of companies that you can use. We chose one of them, and、uh, we didn't have the best experience because we were traveling with a friend of ours, and he was staying at a different hotel. I don't know what went wrong, but I couldn't book online, so I called them and I made the booking. I said, "Look, there's two of us at this hotel and one at another hotel." So when the time came, they showed up and they hadn't picked up our friend Gary, so he had to get on the next bus and he had a very short amount of time, so he basically lost half his day. It was very annoying. Yeah, it's so painful when you're just coming in for a couple of days and you lose one of them. Yeah. So,、oh. so I'd recommend if you do choose one of these transfer services that pick you up at your hotel and. Take you to your hotel in your next destination. Triple check where they're going to pick you up. Call half an hour before, or meet them at their their offices. Yeah, another small problem we had with the transfer company was that our driver took a shine to Linda, and so even though at one point I swear we're only about twenty meters away from where our hotel is, we were the last people to get dropped off as he kept the conversation up and running. It was a lovely conversation, and then when he came to pick up Gary two days later, he was like, "Hey, Linda, how are you?" <laughs> For some reason, I never get this kind of treatment. I I don't know. I don't know what I do. Maybe I should stop doing whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Santa Marta is really popular for tourists, and it's a really popular destination for Colombians to go to do their tourism. One thing that we really liked was leaving, and in fact,、oh. it could be said that Santa Marta is actually a city to leave. It's a city that is. Kind of in terms of its tourism, it's designed to funnel you off to the various national parks or out to the various dive spots、uh, and day cruises around. The city itself had a really nice couple of museums, acceptable enough kind of set of plazas to wander around, but it wasn't somewhere that you'd go. I'm going to Santa Marta to to be in Santa Marta. That's true. It's a place that you go to 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 leave. I was reading an article by a friend of ours,、uh, Angelina Brogan at Bacon is Magic, and she was talking about how she really loves ugly cities. And the example she used was Santa Marta. And <laughs> she she had a good point in that people don't go to Santa Marta to do tourism, and that meant that she was never approached by touts, and you know it was it was quite a relaxing place to be. And I think that's a very good point, but it it failed to charm us. You know, we we ended up not staying in the city itself. Instead, we went over the hill to a small town that's technically part of Santa Marta, but really felt quite different. Called Tiganga, and Tiganga really is a tourist hotspot. And there were touts, and it was a little bit, you know, you felt that you were a tourist there. But somehow, it still managed to keep its charm. It still managed to feel like you were relaxing at the beach, and there were lots of locals around, and you were kind of part of everyday life. 
Yeah, Teganga is a little, I was going to say surf beach, but it's really a dive beach. But it's got that same vibe about it. You know, if you've, if you've been to a place where people go just to kind of wake up in the morning, go for a surf and then relax on the beach all day, very similar vibe. But instead of surfing, you're looking out over this crystal clear, calm bay and people are going out on dive trips from there. Yeah, and there's plenty of options for accommodation. Unfortunately, the internet was universally bad. But uh, we really loved going to Cafe Bonze for breakfast. Their internet was not too bad, so that was good. And we had dinner at La Morena and Baba Ganoush, our two favorite restaurants in the, in the town. Yeah, and when we say that we enjoyed it there, we planned to go for two or three nights and ended up staying almost two weeks. So we, we kind of got stuck into the vortex of, of Taganga, chilling out, relaxing by the beach, going for a swim, and just kind of hopping around our favorite cafes and, uh, and points on the beach. Now, Craig mentioned before that Santa Marta is a good place to leave, especially for trips into the Tairona National Park. And uh, that's exactly what we did. We joined a tour to the Lost City, and it was great. We spent Easter hiking, hiking up, hiking down, hiking up. There was not a lot of flat. It was a lot of up and down. Yeah, I certainly felt like uh, even though we walked in and out from the Lost City on the same path, I really felt like we walked up a, a lot more than we walked down. It's weird, isn't it? We found the same thing this last weekend when we went up to the cabin. Yeah. You know, going up was seemed so much longer than going down again. It's crazy, eh? Absolutely crazy. We went in with a company called Expo Tour Eco, and they were great. Now, visiting this park, Tyrona National Park, is very closely monitored, and going into the lost city, the Ciudad Perdida, is even more tightly monitored. There's just half a dozen companies that have licenses to be able to take people in and work with the indigenous tribes in the national park. And so we did our research, we chose that company, and we were very happy to do so. All of the companies charge the same price for the tour. It's 700,000 pesos, which is about 230 US dollars, which I think is very reasonable. That's the set price and all companies charge it. You can do the hike over four, five, or six days. It's basically in and out. So whichever you choose, you're doing the same distance. Just depends on how many days you want to do it over. We ended up doing the four-day option, which was the right choice for us. And it was over Easter, so we couldn't take so much time. But also, I think it gave us the right amount of free time. Like, we didn't have a lot of time in the evening. I've read some blogs where everyone's saying, oh, you know, you just have all this time playing a lot of cards. And, you know, and that's a, a good thing to think about. I think five days would be a good option if you're feeling a little bit unfit and six days if you're very, very unfit. But uh, four or five would be the, the preference, in my opinion. Yeah, we're certainly not super fit at the moment. And four days was a bit of a struggle for us. But it certainly wasn't over the top either. Yeah, and one of the best things was that in all of the camps we stayed at night, there was always a water hole. So we'd basically arrive, go for a swim. We arrived always around 4.30 or 5 o'clock. We'd go for a swim, and then it was dinner time. So it worked quite well. Yeah, it was awesome. Here's a quick sound of uh, some bird song in the jungle up there in the national park. Sweet. So that was uh, birdsong up in the Sierra Nevada in uh, the Tyrona National Park. And let's move from there also up into the mountains, but into something completely different. From a lost city that's been abandoned and there's uh, three people living there into one of the largest cities in South America. Yeah, Bogota is Colombia's capital and it's perched 2,640 meters above sea level which means that it's often quite chilly. And in fact, when we arrived, it was raining and chilly. And then it was chilly all week. 
We had a couple of warm days that surprised us and got us sunburned, so that was nice. One of the reasons why we've put off going to Bogota was because we knew it was going to be cold. But it wasn't as bad as we expected. It did feel rather dramatic when we left Santa Marta in 40, 42 degrees Celsius, and we arrived in Bogota at 12 degrees Celsius. That was a major shock. Well, we adapted quickly, and it was never absolutely freezing. So that was good. But you know me, I travel around the world to avoid winter. So, (laughs) hey, that was pretty dramatic. The highlights of our visit to Bogota was definitely hanging out with friends. We spent time with my ex-students, Julian and Sebastian, and also met up with a language exchange partner of mine called Cesar. So that was really cool. It was. It was neat being able to go out for dinner and drinks with these guys and occasionally doing a, a little day trip or a bit of tourism around the city as well. Yeah, I think the two of the big things to see in Bogota are the Gold Museum and the National Museum. They're both really either free or cheap, so there's no reason not to go, really, especially if it's a rainy day, and there are quite a few of those in Bogota. Absolutely. The Gold Museum was really quite something. It's a very modern museum, very well laid out. Everything's perfect. It was one of the best laid out museums we've been to in years. The highlight or kind of the jewel in the crown is this uh, model raft made out of gold, which was pulled out of a sacred lake sometime in the, the last, I think, 30, 40 years? Not sure off the top of my head, but reasonably recently. One of the cool things we got to do was go on a day trip out to that lake. However, we ran into a few problems. Well, we were with a friend of ours, so it wasn't like a purchase day trip, because if it was, it wouldn't have happened. Because when we got to the lake, we found that it was closed. And there was a very, very friendly security guard who explained to us that it had actually been closed for about three months. And uh, we don't know why this wasn't publicized on the website or, you know, easy to find. But anyway, we ended up doing something else. And we headed out to a small town called Guatavita, which is uh, actually a reconstructed town when they flooded a whole valley and they moved the town of Guatavita onto the hill. So it was quite charming. Yeah, so Guadavita was really pretty, and I'm always going to remember that trip for the food that we ate. So delicious. We just pulled in on the side of the motorway. There was this little kind of cafe offering breakfast, and, and we pulled in there. And I'm not a big breakfast fan, but my goodness, I ended up just keeping on ordering empanada after empanada, coffee after coffee, until I was quite sated. Yeah, and then when we were actually in Guadavita, they had all of these desserts on sale. And although it wasn't actually dessert time, we we purchased a few things. We had them for dessert that night. So delicious. There's a whole range of different things that you could have, cakes and sweets. and Oh, so good. So good. Inside Bogota itself, there's plenty to do. There's all things to do that are kind of big city things to do, if that makes sense. Uh, We really enjoyed going into bars, going into restaurants, seeing street art, seeing street performers. And up in the Candelaria, there's this area which is kind of the the heart of the city, possibly where the city was first founded. And there, what people do is they talk. It's really quite something. It's a storytelling area. And so people go into this little plaza and they tell jokes, they tell stories, they, they do stuff like that. And I thought that was really cool. Such an unusual thing now for street performance to be the spoken word. Yeah, that was really fun. We went for a great walk around with our friend Julian who told us a bit of history and it was really cool. And then one Sunday, I joined Julian and uh, Sebastian and Sebastian's dad to go on the Ciclovia, which is a huge circle of streets that are closed off every Sunday from, I think, from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. And 
thousands and thousands of people come out to run and walk and cycle and skate through the city because, you know, you've got these big avenues that are closed and you can do all this exercise. And it's just a really nice community feel. Well, is there anything else you want to say about Colombia? I guess just to reinforce the fact that although Colombia's got a really bad rap in the press, and it's true that there is street crime around, it's not a place to avoid. You know, there's plenty of people that go and have a great time and, and don't run into safety problems. Yeah, go be careful and have a good time. Oh, I realize that I haven't talked about juices. My favorite thing about <laughs> Colombia is the juices. So make sure wherever you are, go to one of these juice stalls on the side of the road and order... Oh, I don't know. Craig's favorite was mango with milk. And what they do is they take a mango, they squeeze it, they add ice, they add milk, and they just kind of blender it all together. I really like trying some of the different flavors. The uh, Lulo and Guanabara. Lulo, Zapote, yeah. Heaps of cool ones. That was, yeah, it was absolutely delicious. It almost made up for the lack of wine production in the country. <laughs> So what are we up to over the next little while? Well, we're staying here in, in Panama, up in the mountains, doing this house sit. It's going to be great. Big news this week was we booked some tickets, which doesn't happen all that often. In, uh, what, late October, we'll be flying out of L.A. and down into uh, Melbourne. Looking towards that end of October time, if you're going to be in L.A., if you're going to be in Melbourne, let us know and we'll uh, maybe set up a, a listener meetup in those cities. We're quite excited because we're flying Air New Zealand, which is our favorite airline, partly because it's, you know, our national airline, partly because it's just awesome. Yeah, best wine list in economy class. Yeah, and they just have great service. We've got heaps of cool stories about our, our flights with Air New Zealand. So we're quite excited about that. They had some really good flights. I think we paid $500 each one way, and it's US dollars. So if you're looking at going to Australia or New Zealand, check out airnewzealand.com for pretty good deals at the moment. Yeah, right now, because those are fantastic prices. This week's episode is sponsored by our other company, Performance Foundry. Uh, you can check that out at performancefoundry.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please do take a moment to leave a review for us on iTunes, and you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by looking for slash Indie Travel. And remember, you can always send us an email, mail at indietravelpodcast.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. Have a great week. That's us for this week. Until next time, travel well. <laughs>